I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. And you are listening to The The Reading Reading Aloud Aloud Podcast. Podcast. A podcast where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication is explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. In season two, we bring you along on our tour to keep the conversation going. Okay. Here we go. The reason I thought to record this today is because we're actually sitting in the home in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, where we were married. Yes, we are. And we have survived several days of rain here, and now it is sunny and beautiful, and I think our creative juices are flowing. Yeah, I've I've been um I've been kind of depressed the last few days. Mm. Just not feeling so good. So the sunshine really does help and you know, we took a walkabout. As we were walking back, we were kind of reminiscing about some of the uh, elements of our wedding day. Yeah, it's always really nice coming back here and like just remembering, associating that memory with place, you know, like this is the spot where. And I feel like sometimes we, whether or not you're paying attention to that in your own life, but like sometimes I'll even walk around downtown Asheville where we live and I'll pass by a place and I'll be like, Wow, 10 years ago, I remember something that I did exactly in that spot. Like a joke that was told or a laugh that was had, like in that spot. And it's almost like there's a teardrop of energy that gets planted in each of these locations. And when you have such a powerful time and experience like a wedding or the birth of a child or something like that, there is a... Like a stamp. Yes, yeah, stamp on that on that place um, that's special and that can be drawn on again. I you think know, they you call that kind of... nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> but everything you made... I just said... <laughs> but you made it up. You made it up. <laughs> yeah, I made it up. Yeah, it's called nostalgia. <laughs> In a more meaningful way. Yeah. In a more meaningful way. Uh, it's all about the intention, right? Which was, we've yeah. talked about before. Yeah. So I want to talk about how we planned our wedding uh, was a wild, big, dream, constant dream state that had to be big and dreamy in order for it to happen the way that it happened. And it was it was just interesting because along the way, it can be challenging for some people to track dream state. And so this comes up a lot in our personal lives, but also in our careers and then in hobbies and things that we do where we have these big ideas and they're wildly big. They might get scaled down, they might not, but we, you and I, try really hard to to bring those ideas into fruition. And you have incredible ideas, like you're the ideas guy, and I feel like I'm the follow-through person. Generally speaking, that is correct, yes. So when we were planning our wedding, we decided that we wanted, I mean, basically we decided we wanted like a fairyland circus. Well, I also think one of the pieces of context is important before we go into fairyland circus (laughs) is both of us, um, and maybe this is unique from a male perspective, but like both of us have dreamed about our wedding for a very long time. Now, I I know and, and I've heard from you that... You know, sometimes it's typical for women to dream about it, but it's it was both both of us dreamt about it in the sense of like it was this grand, like big grand Gatsby style like celebration. Like there was there was all the things and there was all the it was this dreaming up of this magical big party. So when we came into this space, we had 
decades of daydreaming, you know, tucked in our belts, like ready to can pull you, out. Can you just quickly talk, quickly talk about what you were dreaming of? Just a big, I mean, a, a big party, but also like a big celebration, you know, like I've always been uh, somebody who wants to pull people together and I'm a great daydreamer. I, I love to just like, you know, vision, like I, I, here's a quick example. I remember I'm from Kentucky and we live on a little bit piece of land, it's about 25 acres, and there's a field that, that stretches down. I have distinct memories of standing up on where our house is, up on kind of this small little hill, looking down on the field and visualizing a huge party for my wedding there. Like everybody out in this field, like big tents and bands and this and like just visualizing this celebration I that had was no idea around that you wanted to have your wedding on your landing in Kentucky <laughs> no, no 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 I didn't I mean I didn't you know did I was wah, I really wah, wah, wah. was I really tied to that no but the point is is that I had visualized and I had put out that intention there I think for me of course it always came down to the outfit right I always cared about what I was gonna wear uh -huh. And then, and what other people in the wedding and attendance would wear would wear. Right, you had the whole the the painting. Yeah, the mural of your of your wedding. Yeah, like painted in your mind. Absolutely. So when we were talking, when we first started talking about our wedding, how, how do you think that we came to some of the ideas that we came to? Like for example, that we were going to have an altar where we had photos of our ancestors with a blessing and a prayer and a poem about ancestry and how they bring. Um, what they bring to the wedding. We were also going to have, uh, what did we call them? The the rings of blessings, like where we walked through and blessings hung from... Like an archway. Archway. Yeah. How did, like, what was that process for us? I think that, I think that what we did in our process was we decided very early on that there wanted to be intention behind everything that we did. We didn't just want to check a box. Oh, right. So let me yeah, speak to that really it. quickly. So we, although the wedding was big, I think that that's the point, is we didn't want to do anything just for the sake of doing it or yes. because that's how weddings were supposed to be. Yes, exactly. And so that in that way it we you know we tried to be radical in our in our ways of like we're not just going to do it cuz that's how it's done. And I think so when you combined that with I also saw us draw from a lot of other events or and or weddings that we really liked. For example, I had seen at another wedding where we we were at the ceremony and then we walked kind of like through the woods down and there were pictures of that couple starting from babies to the time in which they had we, they were together. Um, as you know, kind of you journeyed through the woods with okay, them. Okay, so, so we part of what I'm hearing is once you put something out into the world, like you did when you were a kid, or like I did when I was a kid, or whatever, or even when we met, once we started talking about wedding, you begin to collect information that starts to power whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Here's a, here's a quirky example. You know how when you, if you drive a red Honda Civic, um, and you, or you've never driven a red Honda Civic, you buy a red Honda Civic and you drive one, you start to notice all of the red Honda Civics out on the road. You're like, oh, look, there's my car. Oh, there's my car. Where you never noticed them before. And so that's, a, I think that for me, that's a quirky example of like when you put something out there, when you're 
intention is to do this, then all of a sudden those things start to come to you because they become, they're in your consciousness and they start to, you start to receive those messages and information. Mm -hmm. I think that could be, you could look at that two ways. You could look at it as energetically speaking, you start to call stuff in, which I think is the like real premise. And then you could also think about your, your mind becomes attuned to that, but in either way, Mm -hmm. it becomes part of your consciousness. Yeah. Great. So we so we started to put together all of these crazy ideas and one of the things one of the challenges that we ran up against was that big window between visioning and bringing it into action. And I think for me, that is an area that really stresses me out. It's like, okay, we can sit around and vision all day long, but to actually do it, to me there's a huge gap between thinking about something and beginning to do it. And I think you're actually really good at it. It's kind of like chop wood, carry water, like just do it, just start to do it. If you, the first thing is pick up the phone and make a call, just start to do it because, because I don't always know how to get something done. I can think about it all day long. Yeah. I think one thing that's really key in, because this is a struggle, we, but I struggle with this in my line of work, you know, and and I think there's multiple ways, not just wedding planning, although it's a great example. So one of the one of the ways in which I've found helps translate a dream into reality is not to be tied to the outcome of the dream. So the dream, the dreaming phase literally just puts points you in a direction. You're like this is where I'm walking. And as you're walking towards it, things are going to change, but you have presented yourself a path. And so if you're trying to determine the realistic nature of the dream before you ever start walking, your dream's going to end up not nearly as far down the path as it potentially could be. You, does so you that, stunt yourself if, you stunt you, yourself with expectations. With expectations or with like, uh, we need a reality check on this. But... You also, one that is a dreamer, can't also imagine that that dream exactly the way that they dream it will be realized. So if you get stuck on that, then you're going to get stuck on the reality check side and you're never going to be able to accomplish it. And you'll, you'll, it'll be too big and you won't actually you know, get it done. And so there's a balance there of, but what I find is that dreaming is so important because then you start walking. And as you start walking towards that dream, yes, reality comes in, but you're able to make those decisions based on your dream, not based on something that you're trying to control and construct along the way. Okay. So one of the ways that we decided on our dream was, is that, um, we've created a mission statement. Yeah. Yeah, that was really important for me and or for us, I should say, was like creating that creating that foundation, creating something that we could always return back to and that we could always just touch in on when there was decision points. So there so a mission statement for me, sim, you know, same same. It's like uh, the point of it was is that a wedding is a wild thing. It's an amazing thing. And you and I both had our own desires that we were bringing to it. So essentially, we we came to an understanding about what we both wanted in the mission statement. Mm-hmm. And then from that place, anything that didn't fit into the mission was essentially, it was just out. There was no question about it. So it was a way to keep it contained, which I think is an interesting process for people who are highly creative, which you and I are, and big dreamers, and almost prefer dreaming to actually making shit happen sometimes because it's so much more fun. (laughs) 
Um, and so, so we kept it within that. So everything would get vetted against the mission statement. And that really helped me have boundaries around things and a container around it so that we could, um, yeah, so that we could not include things that didn't edit podcast here edit edit podcast here um okay so i want to talk about also the fact that we had a lot of faith that things would work out so there were things that really didn't seem realistic because they they included so many other factors like in, in order for thing A to work, thing B had to work, thing C had to work, and all of this stuff had to happen together in order to work. I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, um... So here's an example. One of the things that, that we envisioned was this kind of um, mini garden party before uh, the wedding. And um, that, that people would be, there was all kinds of activities that we wanted people to be engaged in before the wedding as writing these blessings to us, um, as looking at different stations. And then as well, we had imagined people dressed up like fairies um, going around and passing out programs and pouring, blowing bubbles. blowing bubbles and pouring lemonade and all that kind of stuff. So that was one thing that we dreamed. And uh, a lot of a lot of folks, you know, they were like, "That's it's just like well, it's a stretch." Well, it relied. It wasn't so. First of all, it re- it meant that the people who attended had to get the concept of garden party pre. You know, they couldn't just rush to their seats and sit down. They had to take advantage of everything that was available to them. Mm-hmm. That part was pretty easy. I think the part that that started to feel like when if we ever mentioned it to anybody, the part that started to feel like, well, maybe you're right. Maybe this isn't going to work. Is like how people are going to interact with each other and who are the fairies and how do they know what they're going to do and who's giving them instruction and et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of it was just from our experience with other events is just believing that no matter how it turned out, it would just be great. Mm -hmm. So we had friends who we were like, you're going to wear this outfit and these wings and you're going to get this, these bubbles go. And just to believe that whatever they created was what we wanted. And it didn't matter what it was. It was going to be what we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back to me of like, if if you've, like, it's it's not being essentially tied to that, to that like, dream or vision, but it's putting it there. And you're saying, like, you're going to make this happen, trusting in people and trusting in their ability to know that, like, this is the vibe that's here. This is what's been created. This is the container. Anything and that gonna, happens within it is going to be great. It's going to be the perfect thing, you know? And and there is, it's, it's not that there's, like, this release of, it's not that there's this release of, I don't, I don't want to do any work, you know, like, I'm just going to hold a space, we're going to rent a tent, and whatever happens in the tent is going to be great. Because there's actually a lot of work in the intention and the, the placement of things and the, you know, of creating that container. So... That, that is that is done so that the magic can happen within so it. So that the magic can happen within it. And so I think that, that that for me, I mean, so what I'm hearing right now is also in my current life, in my career right now, I am trying to bring massive visions into reality and do the daily work that it takes to make something possible. And so as I'm listening to you, somebody asked once like, oh, uh, your podcast must be like a mini therapy session. And in many ways, it is a get to know you process between each other Mm -hmm. because 
I'm asking questions that I don't know the answer to all the time and I don't know your perspective on, but I think, yeah, in that way, this is also helping me figure out how, how am I going to continue to live my life as a creative? Because at the moment it feels way too overwhelming. I don't know how to get my big visions down onto paper and into reality. Yeah. There's, there's something that's been taken away from us as people in terms of the way that, um, Everything has, you know, there's the, the pendulum swings, right? So a wedding um, or a creative project is a really powerful thing. A hike in the woods is a really powerful thing. But then at a certain point, it becomes kind of like cliche to do it in this certain way. Um, or And then people push back against that. And what's lost in that swinging process about like, I don't want to be mainstream I'm going to do, you know, a complete off the grid wedding, you know, whatever, however that manifests, or I'm going to do everything exactly the way that, you the know, knot. the knot tells me to. And, and both of those are fine. If that's what it's going to bring you joy, that's great. I'm not dissing on any of that, but I think that kind of back and forth, this, this dualism trench kind of mentality has lost an ability to bring like spirit and intentionality and dreaming into a whole process. Well, we were just talking about this yesterday in reference to personal style, because I have this talk coming up and we were talking about, you know, glam goddess, like I do the contouring makeup and my hair the certain way and I use all the products and I, and I, I do it a certain way, a way that I've been told to do it, um, a way that's driven by capitalism or just mainstream society, or I don't wear any makeup. I refuse to get dressed up at all. I, I won't do any of it because I'm saying, you know, screw you fashion. I won't participate at all, which, you know, again, if either of those brings you true joy, then, then, then they're good for you. That's what's right for you. But if you're doing them to just be like everybody else or not be like anybody else, then it's like, how much of that is actually personal to you? How much of it is a true authentic representation? And is there space somewhere in the middle for you to just enjoy parts of, life and society and culture that resonate with you and not others, but not have to be at extreme places. And I think that, that you're talking about the polarization that we're in right now, that we experience in society right now. It's all or nothing. It's black or white. It's yes or no. One of the key ways in which, or key things that you need to be tuned into yourself and your dreams and who you are and what you want to create in the world. Like if you're just manifesting for somebody else or to create something that is either completely for or completely against some other construct out there, I don't see that working out that well. Um, well, let's talk about what yeah. gets lost in that process because, and, and we can talk about what people gained in the process of, or at our wedding, what people enjoyed about it is that it felt very personal as, as in each person had a place there. Every guest felt like they had a, a home at the ceremony, that something felt resonant to them. Like it was either the song that resonated with them or the landscape or the location or the food or something resonated with them. And it also felt very personal to us. So it's like, this was a very Marisol and Adam wedding, even mm-hmm. though she wore a dress that had white on it and this happened and this happened and there was like traditional aspects of mm-hmm. it and then there were non-traditional. It felt very specific to us. And so that became meaningful for people. It's something, I mean, people have said, you know, best wedding I've ever been to or that was really great or that was the most fun or whatever because it 
it meant something to them. Right, right. Because they were there for us. They were there to celebrate us. And then the space and the what they walked into was completely us. Through a reflection of ourselves built off this mission statement, built off our ability to dream and start walking down a path. And it was, that was, so they felt like they walked into our world, mm-hmm. a space that we were creating, and that brought them joy. And there's so many risks in that. So mm-hmm. the, yeah. the... Vulnerability. It's so vulnerable because, yeah. you know, for me, it's like... I wanted it to have religious and spiritual elements to it, but I also understand that other people don't have religious and religion and spirituality in their life. And it was really hard for me to do that in a way that felt authentic to us. And I just so wanted other people to be included, right? So it was this balancing act between what do I want and what's going to make people feel comfortable in this space so that they can actually relate to it. But having to make hard decisions around big topics that that would um, essentially not make other people happy or not. And, and that was probably one of the, you know, one of the first times where I felt like on a consistent basis, you and I had to continuously make decisions that were like, we can't think about other people. Mm-hmm. We can't do this for anybody else. This has just got to be done for us. Yeah, and that's so hard. And especially in a wedding when there's so much tied up in it, but even a wedding is a perfect place to build that muscle. Yeah. A wedding is a perfect opportunity to build the muscle, to say, if there is one time when I am making decisions completely for myself, then this is the time. And um, yeah, I, I would just encourage everybody if you're if you know you're in the process of a wedding or um, it's something that you dream about to just to have that as a takeaway. And that means that decisions, dreams, missions, all that is tied up in it needs to be coming from a place of self-worth and where you are in a strong position it's not for somebody else well and then and then remembering that what happens when you do when you finally make the bold decision to do things for yourself is that uh some people don't like it and in our process of getting married there were a lot of people who were disappointed yeah you know um yeah it didn't work for everybody and it really it really became clear to me that there was going to be loss in doing what was right for us Mm -hmm. because I can't think like I wouldn't be okay if we had done it any other way. I wouldn't look back on it with fondness. That would be a part of my life that I wished had gone a different way. And I can't imagine living, living that out in order to make somebody else happy. Yeah. And yet that's so scary, right? It's so scary to, to imagine that you'd lose people by doing stuff for yourself. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a bold, it's a bold way decision. Of it's a bold way of living. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk to you more at some point. Uh, we're running out of time here, but like, I'd love to talk to you more at some point about like how living for yourself, um, how do you do that and not seen as selfish? Oh, well, and, and we do have a few more minutes, so I'll just say, even by saying, like, it was an awesome wedding, or like, I don't know, there's this, like, balance around self-centeredness meets selfishness, and humility, and ego, and all of this stuff, and it's like, can we celebrate ourselves and our successes um, without being seen as 
you know, egocentric or... That's so hard for me. Like, I struggle with that a lot. To the point where you actually are a solid six foot three and some days you look like you're five foot eleven because you hunch. And I think that that's... And, and, and I've done the same. I've made myself really small because of, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to be too bold. How do you live boldly? How do you celebrate yourself? Mm-hmm. It's such an epidemic that we want to tear ourselves down and, yeah. you know, not shine. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's difficult for me just because I was, I was just raised in this world of helping, you know, and, and, and giving, giving, giving. And, um, you know, always pushing others to lead and developing that. And it's so important. But like, I think in all that I have ingrained myself in that so deeply that it's hard for me to care about myself. Or stand stand in your own power. Stand in my own power. It's really, I mean, I've been on a more than a year plus journey now on trying to do that more and more. And I've certainly made some gains, but yeah, it's going to be a lifetime of, of trying to discover that. But I know through this conversation that, you know, the more that I am able to do that, um, which still pains me even to say, it's so amazing. I say that and I'm like, but humbly, do it humbly and don't, you know, pay attention to your ego and all this. Um, but the more that I do that, I'll, uh, the more I will be successful. Absolutely. And, you know, for the for the people, the few people who somehow were disappointed at our wedding, there were a whole lot of other people who just relished in the love that was shared. I mean, it truly was a love fest for all who were included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thanks, all right. y'all. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.